Morning. Oh, that's nice to hear. When it rains, you all come. That's good. I like to see a lot of people here. It's, uh, it's been an interesting summer, but we need the, we need the wet rain, I guess. Uh, keep it wet. Maybe less fires this year. So it's really good to see you guys. I was gone in Tennessee last week um, with a family that's really close to Tiffany and I and our family. Uh, a friend of mine who lost his mother was a wonderful one of the Lord. She's, she's with the Lord, so it's, it's good. There's been a number of losses uh, lately here and other places. Um, and, you know, you feel it keenly as we uh, lose people. But we remember that those who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus are saved and they're with him. And so that is a huge blessing. Let's pray before we get started. Father, be with us this morning. We're going to get into your word, Lord, as your will is that we are serious about the things you've called us to because you love us so much. Lord, as we love our own children, it's just a shadow of the kind of love that you have for us. Lord, and I pray that as we hear your word, we would be humble before the scripture, that our hearts would be able to be affected by the truth of your word, Lord. Your word is truth. Jesus, you are the word. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Be with those here this morning. Let us hear from you. If there are any here that don't know you, Lord, let them be drawn. Just let your Holy Spirit draw them supernaturally to come and have relationship with you. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. The adults are lying to you. If I could give one message to people today to get them to seek the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, that message would be, the adults are lying to you. And by the adults, I just mean all these people in our world with power and authority and the ability to kind of speak and direct the message and sort of tell us how we should live, who we are, what morality looks like. They're lying to you about that. They're lying to you about God. They're lying to you about who you are, who they are, about what the world is coming to. They think that they're going to bring in utopia. If we just do enough of this and we just do enough of that and we just have enough of, you name it, whichever side they're coming from. You do it their way, it's all going to work out. So far, bang up job, right? Um, it's really, really been great, especially last year, right? I mean, just amazing. The utopia, basically, right? Utopia with masks and, you know, staying at home all the time. Look, it's not going to happen. They're polishing brass on a sinking ship. They're making beds in a burning house. They want you to be distracted with that too. Misery loves company, they say. I don't know who they is, but somebody said that. But Jesus Christ said this, John 8, 31 and 32. There's Bibles, by the way, in the seats, backs in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take one of those. That's our gift to you. You don't owe us anything. We just want you to have the word of God in your home. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How do we know Jesus is right about that? Well, I'll give you one really good reason. Because he rose from the dead. 
That's generally like, if you can do that, I'm going to probably take what you have to say seriously, right? Like, okay, all right, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of tricks, that ain't a trick. When Jesus rose from the dead, he verified his claims about who he was, that he was the way, the truth, and the life, that he is God. He's been right about everything, from history to prophecy that we just see, that we've seen for thousands of years, hundreds and hundreds of years before, the scriptures say this, then this happens. Things that have been said about what's going to happen at the end are coming to the fore. They're happening. We know. He's right about morality. He's right about science. How many things have we found in the Bible says, this is how it is, or this is what you ought to do, and later we realize, oh yeah, you should probably do that. There's a reason to believe in Jesus, mostly because he is the only begotten son of God, period. That's how we know. The adults, however, so-called adults, are lying to you. People we thought we could trust, right? When I was little, when I was younger, was some number of decades ago, I've noticed that when I get on this thing, it's like, put your age in. I used to scroll a little bit, and now it's like... Like, is this going to end? It just makes you feel, it's like they want you to just feel really old, right? <laughs> I'm not that old, am I? Some of you, I imagine you're still doing it from the last time. <laughs> but when I was little, when I was little, it was like you could trust what people were saying. Like some, a lot of us had like the Encyclopedia Britannica. Or maybe the fucking Wagnalls. I don't know if you guys had that at home. And it was like, whatever that thing said, you assumed was true, right? There's none of that anymore. I don't know that it was true then, but it sure as heck ain't true now. The things that are being put out. We used to trust all kinds of people that we can't trust anymore. Our universities are full of liars. Obvious liars. It doesn't take much. Of course, when you have a bunch of impressionable 18, 19-year-olds there, and they think you're in a position of authority, it's relatively easy to bully them into believing your lies. Good luck if I come in your classroom. It ain't going to be like that. I can tell you. Teachers in our schools are being forced to lie. New curriculums that are coming out. You must teach this, you must teach that. It's a rough place to be in when your whole livelihood and your calling is to be a teacher. And as the world goes down, they start saying, well, you can be here, but you can't say this, you can't say that, and you got to say this, and you got to say that. Can't say what's true, must say what's a lie. It's difficult. It's difficult. Not necessarily all people are lying to you, but those who contradict the word of God, they're lying to you. They're lying to you. Because they're unknowingly part of a kind of large conspiracy. And that conspiracy at the center of that is the father of lies, the devil. That's just how it is. Now, this all may sound like an overreaction to some of you. Some of you may be like, "Ah, really? We're going to bring the devil back into it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. He never left. It's real. I'm not talking about some guy with horns and a pitchfork. I'm talking about someone who hates you. And who's the father of lies and a murderer who wants to destroy you. This isn't just something people used to believe. This is something that wise people 
still do believe. Let me tell you straight, we can no longer pretend like everything is okay. We went for a long time where Christians and Christ followers had sort of this place in society of relative respect and even some level of power or ability to affect the culture. Those days are over. You need to recognize who you are and where we are. We're Christ followers. We have nothing to do with the world. Nothing to do with it. The ship is sinking, the house is burning, and the only thing that will give you the patience to deal with it, the peace to be okay with it, the hope to know that everything will be made new, and incredible joy is building your house on the rock. The only one who saves is Jesus Christ. Yes, the world's in trouble. Yes, you can be saved. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter who you are. If it did, I wouldn't be here. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You may struggle with this. You may think about all these things that I just said and say, you know what? Yes, that's probably true. But if I believe these things and I say these things and I live this way, I'm not going to be able to fit in with the world and all those liars. And here's the thing. I kind of want to fit in. You may recognize that believing this and following Jesus Christ with all of your heart will cause difficulty and trials and struggles. Well, toughen up, buttercup. Because that's who you are. You're a warrior. You were called into God's army to fight against evil. You're not fighting against those people. You're fighting against spirits and principalities and powers that want to take down the world. You're fighting against false narratives and lies. It's true. But all those things are nothing compared with this. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's how good it is. You can't even imagine it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Y'all have some old things? Me too. Passed away. Gone. Praise God. Behold, all things have become new. I am, as we talked about some years back, blowing the trumpet. We talked about in Ezekiel, the person who's got to look on the tower and blow the trumpet. If you don't blow the trumpet then you're responsible for those people. I'm blowing the trumpet. Let me just tell you, the time for playing is over. The Lord is at hand. We cannot be found to be like the rich and unloving people that are talked about in the book of James. Listen to this, James 5, 1 through 8. Come now, you rich, and weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You know this kind, nice, God's always happy thing? Mm -mm. (laughs) You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned 
You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, this is to us, be patient, brethren. Brothers and sisters, be patient. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You ever had a garden? Just waiting for it to come up, waiting for it to bloom. That's where we are. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's time to get tough. It's time to get serious. Be patient. Be brave. Get serious. Deal with your hearts before God. And let's get on with the joyful, adventurous calling the business of serving God and following Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. This is our call. This is our call. The call is not just come to church, although you should do that. We need you, you need us. The call isn't just give money to the poor, give money to the church, you know, volunteer here, volunteer there. Those things are important. You should do those things. The call is to be a warrior all the time, ready. I want to see breakthrough for us all. I want all of us to move on and throw to the side everything that holds us back from following Jesus fully. And we've got some of that. All of us do. We got, we got stuff that we're kind of holding on to here, we're kind of holding on to there, that's keeping us from traveling light from following fully, from keeping up with where the Lord has taken us. we got to deal with that. we got to deal with it. I love you. God has given me a love for you. Last night I was reflecting on this, how much I love this body. And this morning as you all were walking in, I was kind of just filled with, man, I love these people. No idea why. But <laughs> I know why. You guys are great. Because the Lord is with us. You all are called to one another. You all need to start loving one another. If we're in an army and we're fighting, and there are arrows and bullets and whatever flying at us, drones, however it works nowadays, I don't know. If that's going on, you're not thinking about this petty little thing. You're going shoulder to shoulder and getting ready to fight. That's where we need to be. We need to love one another like that. I want to walk with you, each of you, every one of you, following Jesus Christ as we pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we've been in this series for a while called White Lies. For those of you who've been here for a while, if you're new, we've been in this series called White Lies. Um, and you can check that out online. They're all there. Uh, really, these are the lies that the so-called adults are telling us, the ones we're supposed to trust. Last week, we studied penal substitutionary atonement. Now, I know that sounds sexy. <laughs> it is. It's really something. Uh, Dr. David Robinson did a presentation on that. Let's give him uh, some thanks for that. It's a blessing to have a number of good teachers in this church. I, I love that we do. Um, and penal substitutionary atonement, while it may sound kind of dry, is at the heart of the gospel. If you, did not, if you were not here for that or you have not watched that, you should go back and watch that. 
Last time I led our study, we dealt with judgmentalism and legalism. I was only able to get through the first part of that study last time, and we're going to continue it now, Lord willing, see how far we can get through it. Uh, we talked about what judgmentalism and legalism were, uh, and if you want to know like kind of the nitty-gritty of that, you're going to have to go back and watch that online. Um, but we didn't kind of get into, into the nitty-gritty of specific things that Christians specifically have been very legalistic about, and the church sometimes has been very legalistic about. And as I told you, the reason why this is important is because, A, it's wrong to be legalistic, it's wrong to be judgmental, as defined in the last session, so make sure you understand what that means. But it's also damaging to those outside, and it gives space for the lies that people tell. If we're, if we're hypocrites, if we're being legalistic and judgmental, it's easier for things like things we've talked about, like progressive Christianity, to take a foothold because you go, but look at them, they're so legalistic. They're so judgmental. So we need to know. You may recall that I said we would try to look at such issues as, here's my list, drinking, sex, cussing, smoking, clothing, dancing, movies, music, video games, long hair, rock and roll, tattoos, and pierced ears on dudes. Okay. <laughs> All of these. There's more, honestly. Like, I, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, but these are the ones that uh, uh, have traditionally been an issue for some people. And so I'm going to deal with this in three sections. The first two sections I'm going to try to get through today. First section I'm going to try to deal with quickly. The second section we'll spend most of today on. And then, Lord willing, we'll study the next part next time. So the first section is what I'm going to call the culturally driven legalisms. Okay. Culturally driven, what I mean by that is these things, these things seem to be an issue in particular subcultures. If you've grown up in a certain way and this is kind of the way things have been, you're more likely to say, because this is the way things have been, therefore they must be what the Bible says. This is the way we've done it, this is our tradition, therefore it must be what the Bible says, okay? Um, I'm including in this section tattoos, pierced ears on dudes, long hair and rock and roll, all right? We're going to whip, whip through this kind of quick. Let's start with tattoos. I realize that a bunch of you have tattoos. Sinners. <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, I just... Look, I, I got a tattoo when I was 18 years old. I got it right here around my belly button. It was a little flower. Now it's... It's like a mangled unicorn. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. It's a tramp stamp. No. <laughs> Here's a picture. Uh, no, I'm okay, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. It's a good thing to think about, though, youngsters. Seems like you're going to be fit and trim forever. You're not. You're going to be an old fat man like me, okay? That's just the way it is. So don't get a tattoo on your belly, all right? It's a bad idea. Here's the thing with tattoos. This is pretty simple to me. They don't go away, so be wise. You know, be wise. If you want to have a more in-depth discussion on tattoos, because there's some stuff in the Old Testament that's like, well, does that mean this and whatever? Look, I'm not going to get into all that today. Um, if you want to get into that, email me. We can, have a, we can have some coffee and a discussion. But bottom line with tattoos, I would say, where's your heart? What are you saying with it? And are you being wise about it? That's what I would say with tattoos. Pierced ears on dudes. This is a fun one. There are some people who think that men should not get earrings. Some of them think that for style reasons, kind of like I don't like skinny jeans, right? Mostly because I could never wear them. All my jeans are technically skinny jeans because I get like the husky and they're still <laughs> tied on me, right? 
because my thighs are so strong, right? It's got nothing to do with all that extra padding back here, but some of them have it for those reasons, but other people think it's feminine, right? So there was a time when the idea was girls wore earrings, boys don't wear earrings. Okay, it's a cultural thing, okay? It's just the way it was. There were other times where boys wore earrings, you know, and girls wore earrings. It's just been, depends on where you were, where you grew up, what time, what place in the world, okay? Tell you a little story. Back in the sixth grade, this was in the 80s, you know, good times. A lot of hot pink that I was wearing at the time. Um, yeah, I don't know what we were thinking back then as far as clothing. But anyway, at that time, uh, guys getting an earring in their left ear, like one earring in their left ear, got really popular. I lived in California at the time. That was a big deal. I remember one of the guys, I think, at school got one. And me, you know, wanting to keep up with the latest trends, went to my dad and I said, Dad, can I get an earring in my left ear? He said yes. He told me I could on one condition. He said, I can get an earring in my left ear if I'm willing to wear a bra and panties. <laughs> you might be able to figure out which culture, subculture he was from. He basically thought girls get earrings and guys don't. That was his culture. It's the way he grew up. It just was, okay? I can tell you that bra was uncomfortable. I don't know. <laughs> How y'all do it? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I didn't wear the bra. I didn't get an earring when I was in sixth grade. But on the day I turned 18, I got four, just so you know. All right. Um, one of them was really infected. It was up here. It's a mess. I'll tell you the story some other time. Um, here were two things at play for me, okay? The first was getting an earring. I don't think there would have been anything wrong in 1980-whatever of a boy getting an earring in his left ear. I think that's a culturally driven issue, okay? Um, but the second thing was honoring my father and mother. My dad did not want me to get an earring while I was still a child, so I didn't. You know, I say honoring, you know, I would have been in big trouble, right? So it's like <laughs> trying to act like he was like, but if you want to, it was never like that. It was never like, do this, but if you don't want to, don't worry about it. I mean, that's just not the way it worked in my house. Hopefully none of your houses. Um, but honestly, you honor your parents, right? Um, and so those are sort of some of the issues that go with that, okay? The other one goes with this one, long hair. There have been those who thought also that long hair was too feminine on a guy. Again, culturally driven. Sometimes, if you look at the pictures of like, you know, uh, 17th century France, they got the long curly hair, they got the whole, they got these, they look like women. I mean, at some level, right? I mean, French people, right? No, I'm kidding. Some of you are French. Don't email me. I'm kidding. I love French people. Good food. The snails and stuff, really, it's something. Um, <laughs> probably because of the long hair. Anyway, but people used to have long hair. Sometimes they have short hair. It's, it's a cultural thing, okay? Um, when Paul was writing, he talks about long hair, very long hair for a guy not being a good thing. Well, in first century Israel at that time, that, you know, there's issues, right? What are you saying with it? And so on. Right now, in this culture at this time, I don't think people associate having long hair with being feminine. So go ahead, if that's your thing. And, you know, you want to grow your hair long. Some of you, I can see, could not if you wanted to. Um, that's okay. Don't worry about that. That's the fall. You'll get it back in the resurrected body. I hope. Bummer if you don't, you know. But, um. <laughs> now, here's the thing. If you are a guy, if you're a man, God made you a man, which is a wonderful thing, just like being made a woman is a wonderful thing, and you want to have long hair and earrings because you want to look like a girl, totally different issue, Okay? Totally different issue. We can talk about that. I don't have time to get into all that right now. 
We can, we can get into that, but not right now. Um, get, email me. We can talk through that. That's an issue for some people. Uh, rock and roll. This one's fun. Believe it or not, there was a time when rock music was considered bad stuff in the church. It was bad. Those drums, you know, the whole thing. And there were a lot of reasons they gave at that time. There's always a lot of reasons. Like if you go back, I don't know how much of this is still on the internet, but if you go back and look at some of these and find old writings on why these things are bad, whether it's long hair, earrings, or rock and roll, whatever, you'll find these things where they're just doing backflips to try to explain how really the Bible says it's bad. Because, you know, all the stuff about rock and roll in here, uh, right, not there, right? So um, here's the thing. Styles of music are not an issue. Styles of music? No. The message and the, and the intention of music is an issue. So if music happens to be in the style of rock and roll and is bad, has bad intentions, has a bad message, dishonors God, tells lies, well, then it would be bad. has nothing to do with the fact that it's rock and roll. Some music is honoring of God. Some music is not. The highest form of music is that which honors God. Right? There's lots of it in heaven if you've read about it. Don't know how much, how rocky those songs are? Haven't heard them. Right? You say the angels are singing it, but I don't know if it's like, mm, 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 or if it's like more smooth. You're like, oh, it's more smooth if you happen to be a certain age. And if you're younger, you're like, oh, no, they're rocking. So, you know, we don't know. Now, all country music is a problem, okay? <laughs> That's my opinion. It's not legalism. Um, <laughs> it's just not great music. No, I'm just kidding. Listen. Keep your Wranglers on. Relax. It's okay. Country music is fine. Don't email me. I think it's wonderful. Now I'm lying. Now adults are lying again. I don't, I don't think it's wonderful, but it's okay if you do, okay? There's nothing wrong with it as far as I know, although a lot of it is, yeah, it's a little, anyway. I don't get it because one song they're like, and the Lord will, blah, blah, and then the next song it's like drugs and sex and whatever, and it's the same singer. It's weird. Country music is weird to me in that way, but that's just a cultural thing. Anyway. Why am I bringing these things up, these first things I brought up? Well, because even though none of you are probably struggling with like, man, I don't know if I should listen to rock and roll, uh, you know, or whatever. You probably weren't struggling with those things. The fact is, is that we got to understand that legalism sometimes is out there because people want to honor God, but they let their cultural ideas cause them to make rules that are not really rules. We all have to be careful about that. We can do the same thing. The people in the 30s had a certain culture and said, you shouldn't do this and you should do that. They believed that they were honoring God and doing it, but some of those things were just culturally driven. Take every decade, including this one. We can be the same way. We've got to be careful about legalism. Okay? God makes the rules. We don't make the rules. We don't need to stretch to try to make rules. We want to honor God and love each other. Now, this next section is more serious, okay? These are issues that are more complicated and have more impact on the church, on the family, and society. And that is the ones we're going to deal with today, drinking and smoking. Um, that leaves sex, cussing, dancing, clothing, and movies, music, and video games for next time. Yeah, Lord willing, okay? Sex. So, yeah, you wouldn't be here for that, right? That's always something. That... If you've ever heard me talk about it, you probably want to show up. It's, it's really fun. So, um, drinking and smoking both have a cultural aspect and a moral and biblical aspect to them, okay? So there are, what I mean to say by that is there are those who have made rules that are culturally based, like these other ones, but there are also those who speak to these things from a biblical perspective, okay? Because these things are much more complicated. There have been a lot of people who have made a lot of rules and judged a lot of people over these issues, 
okay? And we're going to kind of walk through whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent. Sorry, it's vodka, don't worry, it's not a... <laughs> and that's it, we're, that's, we're not, I'm kidding. There was even a, a, a period of time in this country called Prohibition where drinking alcohol was completely illegal. Did not work out well, okay? <laughs> Apparently people don't like laws like that. Now, let's remember what Jesus Christ tells us about the law first before we get into this, okay? Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, of course, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay? Bottom line, back it all up. We want to get to sort of what is our guiding principle here. With anything we do, if we are not loving God and our neighbor, we are breaking the commands of God. Keep that in mind. You can always test it. Are we loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Are we loving our neighbor as ourselves? If the answer is no, it's like one of those flow charts. No, sin. Okay? If you're not doing that, you're in the sin bucket. You're breaking the commandments of the Lord. We've got to remember that as we study these issues. So let's deal with the easier one first. Smoking. We're going to start with tobacco because you can smoke a lot of things apparently. Now, there are a number of ways to smoke. You can smoke cigarettes, cigars, cigarillos. You can vape. You can smoke a pipe, or you can chew tobacco. At least those. There's probably other ones that I don't know about. Hookahs, I guess, is a thing. That's some people. Weird. Um, but all these methods actually have a different effect on your body. And you know what? You're responsible for your body. Okay? You're responsible for your body. God made you. He made your body. Body, soul, and spirit. When it comes to smoking tobacco or using tobacco, the question is, how is this affecting my body? Okay? God made your body, and we're supposed to love him, and yourself, by the way. Love your neighbor as yourself, which implies that you should love yourself. You're responsible for your body. How is it affecting your body? Now, the truth is there are pretty ample studies um, about tobacco, depending on what thing you're doing there that I just listed, how often, whether there's moderation, et cetera, et cetera, you can go do the research for yourself. I'm not here to give you the science lesson, okay? You can go, it's all there. It's all online. We can see this, this one has this effect. This one has that effect. This is a heart issue, by the way. Spoiler alert, all of these are going to be heart issues. Every single one we're going to talk about, it's going to come down to a heart issue. God looks at the heart. That's where he looks, okay? These are heart issues. Ask yourself, based on what we know, is using tobacco in the way that you're using it doing serious damage to your body? If it is, then you're not honoring God by honoring your body, okay? Now, there are ways to use tobacco that are less serious and less harming, more serious and more harming. Again, those studies are out there. Go look at it and then make a decision that honors God. I'm not here to figure that out for you. Or to judge you or to go, oh, that person smoked a cigarette. Well, they're bad. I don't know. Maybe that was the only cigarette you ever had. Probably fine. Not for you kids. Okay, the eggers are getting mad at me. Don't smoke, okay? That's, but whatever. Um, you need to know how these things affect you. This is true of anything. How's it going to affect my body? Because I'm responsible for my body. That's generally how you deal with things like smoking tobacco. Do the research, okay? Now, let's get into some more fun. How about marijuana? 
It is now legal, it has been for a while, to purchase and use marijuana in the state of Washington. Now, I was in Tennessee when all this happened, and I remember coming back and being like, what? You can just walk into a store and buy pot? It was so crazy. Now we're all just like, yeah, yeah. If I would have told you that 20 years ago, you'd be like, what? You can just be a legal drug dealer? The answer is sort of. It's still federally illegal. So uh, in any case, you can do it. But being legal does not make it right. So if you're just like, well, it's legal, so it must be right, that's a really bad idea. Our laws are not always just. They're often not. The problem with marijuana is this, okay? Just make it real easy. I'm unaware of any way to use marijuana and not become intoxicated, okay? I'm talking about THC marijuana, okay? Please don't send me articles about CBD and how it solves every medical problem in the world. I know, it's great. I don't know, I've never used it, but I know some, of, some people like it. It's not, it doesn't intoxicate, I don't care, great. CBD it up, whatever you wanna do, okay? Don't care, that's not even an issue, right? It's not intoxicating you. But intoxication with marijuana or any other drug, including alcohol, is wrong. Okay? This is an important principle because it's a biblical one. Intoxication is wrong. Is wrong. Okay? I counted around 11 verses in the New Testament that warn about drunkenness or intoxication. Okay? The one I want to focus on is Ephesians 5.18. This is, I'm going to read you 5.15 through 18. See that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I've already told you that. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that suggest? If you are drunk with wine, are you filling yourself with the Spirit? What do we want to be as Christ followers? Filled with the Spirit. We walk in the spirit, we don't walk according to the flesh. When you're getting drunk, when you're getting high, you are not filling yourself with the spirit. You're kind of messing your whole self up. You're important. God wants to be in relationship with you. You got to understand who you are, your body, soul, and spirit, okay? This is important. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Your spirit has been made alive. Your spirit is, can connect and be in relation with the Holy Spirit because your spirit has been made alive and it's been made new and it's perfect. Your body, on the other hand, is still dealing with the effects of the fallen world, waiting for redemption, which will be coming. But your spirit's not that way. So you can either kind of sow to the body the thing that's fallen, or you can sow to the spirit. That all happens at the level of soul, right? The decision-making, the will. You can will to the spirit and live in the Lord, or you can will to the body and live in fallenness. It's pretty clear which one God has asked us to do. Go to the redeemed part, the part that's already redeemed. Sow to the spirit. If we sow to the body, we will not be walking in the spirit, but in fallenness. This is important. This is serious. When we become intoxicated, we are willing to the body. That's what we're doing. We're saying body is more important. Giving my body something is more important than being able to be in the spirit right now. We don't want to do that. We can't be walking filled with the spirit if we're regularly involved in intoxication. You generally don't think well either when you're intoxicated. 
okay? You don't make particularly good decisions while you're intoxicated. You're not doing anybody any favors when you're intoxicated. It's because you've willed to the body and damaged your ability to will to the spirit. Because your soul, where you make decisions, your will is compromised when you're intoxicated. That's just the way it is. Drunkenness is specifically commanded against in the scripture. There is no way around it, whether it's marijuana or alcohol or another drug, intoxication is forbidden by God. Those who spend their time getting drunk are not using that time to honor God. And this is the important part. They're using that time to honor themselves. It's more important than following God. So as to marijuana, I don't see any use for it that's biblical unless there's some medical reason why you need THC. If that's the case, well, then medicine is medicine, right? There's all kinds of things that we have to do for the health of our body. Alcohol, on the other hand, is more complicated because as with marijuana, I don't see how you can have some without becoming intoxicated. With alcohol, you can, right? Having a drink does not necessarily make you intoxicated, God has commanded us not to be intoxicated. I do not believe he has commanded us not to have a drink. But let me be really, really clear. Please listen. This is important. Some of you need to stop having any drinks. Because some of you are alcoholics. And it's not as small of a number as I think you would all like. Some of you need to not drink at all. And if you're sitting here right now thinking, oh, he's talking to me specifically. I'm not. There's actually quite a few people in our church that struggle with this. This is one of those things that's sort of the flypaper of the world that you can get stuck on very easily. You get into it for whatever reason. You start partying when you're young. Then it becomes self-medication or it becomes something else. Listen, some of you need to not drink at all because some of you can't have one drink without having five drinks. Some of you can't have a small glass of wine without having a large bottle of wine. It's just the way it is. Know yourself. Intoxication is a sin. It's not keeping Jesus Christ's commands. If you tell your child, right, you got a kid, you tell your kid not to eat the cookies. Don't eat the cookies. Every day, don't eat the cookies. They're over there. Okay, those are for after dinner or whatever. Don't eat the cookies. But your child keeps eating the cookies. Would you say that child is loving and honoring you? No. No, they're not. But children don't understand things, so we sort of give them a pass. And possibly a spanking. But you're not a child. This is important. You're not a child. If Jesus tells you to do something and you don't do it, you're not loving and honoring him. Look, I know this. I have not loved and honored him many times and been chastened and been called back and been given grace. Wonderful grace. But know who you are and know what you're doing. You're not a child. Listen, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. You're not a child anymore, and we need to grow up. I want it. I want it for me. I want it for you. I want it for this church body. We're going to struggle against these things. Our bodies want things that we're going to struggle against. Now, I want to read some more scripture here so we can understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ's commands. John 15, 9 through 14. Here we go. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide 
in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Listen, there was an if there. If you keep my commandments. So if we keep his commands, we will abide in his love. He's telling us very clearly what to do. We're to abide in his love. How do we do that? We keep his commands. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Your heart and mind and soul and strength are compromised when we violate this particular command that the Lord has given us about intoxication. How can we say we love him if we think we know better than him? How can we say we love him if we will not keep his commands? And I know, listen, all of us fail to keep his commands. All of us are sinners. All of us need forgiveness. Next, it says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Why is he telling us this? Because he likes to command people around? No. This is for you. He's telling us this so that his joy will remain in us. The joy of Jesus Christ might be full in us. Don't you want that? Don't you want full joy? Isn't that what we go after all these things for anyway? Trying to find a little joy? Trying to find a little happiness? Whatever it might be? You want your joy to be full? Follow his commands. Follow his commands. We want to live in joy. We want to have full joy. Jesus is telling us these things so that we'll have full joy. Not so that we'll feel bad. Verse 12 through 14. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. How has he loved us, is what he says. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends, which he did for us. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. We are his friends if we do whatever he commands us. If we do not do what Jesus Christ commands us, how can we say we are his friends? Praise God for his grace and his mercy. Because I can tell you right now, I have not acted like a good friend. I haven't acted like a good friend many times. In my life, in the past week, this morning, I want to be his friend. And I know that he says, if I want to be his friend, I need to follow his commands. Look, Jesus loves you. He laid down his life for you. If you're feeling particularly uh, condemned by any of this, that's not the goal. That's not the goal. He loves you. He loves you. But how can our desires for temporary fun or self-medication or whatever it is through intoxication be more valuable than loving him by following his commands? How can that be more valuable than loving God? And we love him by following his commands. If we love God, we will do what he commands. That's what the scripture says. If we love God, we'll love one another. Another reason not to have a lifestyle of intoxication, you are not going to be loving to the people who God has called you to love, if that's the state you're in. This is what a heart for God looks like, loving him. Now, there are at least two reasons not to disobey God's commands. This goes for these things. This goes for what we're going to talk about next week. This goes for anything. One is the natural consequences. Just so you know, God's commands are not arbitrary. Okay, That means he did not grab a quarter. Like God's got a quarter up in heaven. But anyway, let's just imagine Found a cord. He's under the couch or whatever. So he's got a cord and he goes, let's make, let's make some laws. All right? He's like, okay, first one up. Murder or no murder? 
Looks like no murder. Put that on the thing. And he went, it's not like that. These are not arbitrary, okay? There are natural consequences because God's commands flow from his holiness and truth and beauty, and they're for your benefit. They're for your benefit. Now, in the context of drunkenness, if you want to get drunk, well, it's possible you might destroy your life and the lives of your family and your friends. You can destroy your health. You can make terrible decisions. I've done most of those things in my life. I could go on. The point is that there are natural consequences that happen because we are not living according to God's design when we don't follow his commands, according to the way that he created us. There are so many things that we do that violate God's commands or they're sinful that really what we're saying is we don't care how you designed us. We don't care what you told us like we were a child. Kids often think, you don't know, Dad. You don't know. That stove's not that hot. Right? They know everything, but you're not a child. You, you need to know by now that if God has said to do it, it's not to harm you. It's because in the long term, that is what's going to make you thrive. That is what's going to give you joy. You've got to follow him. Second reason is the spiritual consequences. You cannot be in sin constantly and be close to the Lord. It's just too hard. It's self-love, not love for God, that you express when you break his commands. That's what I'm expressing when I, when I sin. I'm saying, I love me more than I love you. i got to repent of that. So do you. When you're in sin, especially lifestyle sins, you're going to constantly be hiding your behavior from your brothers and sisters in Christ for fear of accountability. That puts a break between you and the body of Christ and your effectiveness in the body of Christ. The ability to minister to your brothers and sisters the ability of them to minister to you. It's going to harm your relationships with them, period. Often it causes your family to have to keep secrets. I, if I had a quarter for every time I heard from a husband or a wife, hey, I need to tell you this, but if my wife knew or if my husband knew or if whatever, they'd be really upset that I'm telling you. <laughs> a lot of times. Some of you are thinking, I, was, I thought I was the only one who said that to him. No, it happens. You don't need a false reputation. I don't care. I don't care. What I mean by that is, I know you're not perfect. I love you for you. Everybody in here needs to love each other for each other, not to be condemning or, oh, you were doing this or you were doing that or whatever. No. Don't try to protect that. Come and find the accountability that you need so that we can live together and help each other. Don't isolate yourself. You will not be able to maintain a close and powerful relationship with Jesus Christ ongoing if you're constantly sowing to body and not to the Holy Spirit with anything. Intoxication is just one of those issues. Look, drinking alcohol is not, a, not the problem, but drunkenness is. And by the way, I'm just going to cut this one off. Please don't ask me questions like, how many should I have? <laughs> you know. You're not a child. You know. If you're impaired, you're having too many. Also, don't give me the, I'm just buzzed. I just get buzzed, not drunk. You're drunk. You're drunk. Okay? I'm not going to play with you. You're not buzzed. You're drunk. Okay? You don't have to be stumbling down the street, slurring your words to be drunk. Okay? We're talking about intoxication impairment. We can't be justifying ourselves with ticky-tack rules. Like, well, I'm just, I'm just a little buzzed. I'm just a little tipsy. There's like all these words. To not be able to say, I'm drunk. 
There's words on the other side too, uh, you know, some of which I can't repeat in church. But those are just forms of legalism, just so you know, on the other side. When you start having little ticky-tack justifications for what you're doing, I only had a few. But you know that God's called you to have none. Or I only had however many, but you know that God only wanted you to have one to honor him. See, this is between you and him, how this works. And you can make these ticky-tack rules, which are just another form of legalism. It's okay. This is what the Pharisees did. It's okay to do this, but not to do this. You can swear by the money in the temple, but if you swear by the temple, but if you do this, there's all ways to be able to do what they wanted to do and maintain it. Don't make legalisms. Ask yourself this. Listen to this question. What does loving God through obedience look like in this situation? Not how much can I do? How much can I get away with? Am I still allowed to? Can I do this? No. Ask yourself this. What does loving God through obedience look like? If we ask that question, we can start with our hearts in the right place. Like I said, these are all issues of the heart. Maybe you're the kind of person who can easily have a drink without needing five. You, just, you can just have one. If so, great. You have freedom in Christ to have a drink. Okay? Who's going who's gonna to say anything against that? Well, there are people who will, but they're legalists, okay? You can have a drink. Just be careful you don't use your freedom in Christ in a way that makes your brother or sister in Christ suffer. Let me explain something to you. There is a good percentage of people who can't do that. In this society at this time, for whatever reason, there's a good percentage of people who cannot have just one drink. It's just a problem. There are a good percentage of people who can. Good. They have freedom. Be careful that in your freedom in Christ, you don't harm your brother or your sister. If you know a brother or sister in Christ who struggles with alcohol, for instance, probably don't have a drink around them. Something to think about. Romans 14, 17 through 21. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, those things are a lot better. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure, but it's evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Some people can't have a drink. Honor them by not putting things in their face. Some people can honor them by not being legalistic to them. Like I said, there's only one rule about this. It has to do with intoxication. The rest of it is a hard issue with you and God. There are people who are called to do certain things. I'll talk, Lord willing, more about this next week. Where you may be called not to maybe watch certain things. You may be called not to drink certain things or eat certain things or whatever. That's fine. Don't put that on somebody else. Don't put that on somebody else. At the same time, you may be free to do certain things. Don't put that in the face of somebody else. At the end of the day, it's about loving each other. Some of us should not drink at all because we're tempted to intoxication. Some of us can have a drink in Christian freedom but should not partake of alcohol in a way that causes your brother or sister to stumble. That's it. There's no legalism in any of that. That's just heart stuff. That's just honoring God. That's just biblical stuff. We need to honor God in what we do. It's not about legalism. It's not about making lots of rules. It's also not about ignoring sin and allowing just anything to go on. I'm so tired 
of the idea that people have about the church, that the church has only two gears. Harsh, insensitive, unloving condemnation, and without God's grace, judgment of sin and sinners. Or, wishy-washy, overly nice, enabling, presuming on God's grace, turning a blind eye to sin and sinners. Like those are the only two possibilities. They're not. Neither of those are what we're called to do. Listen, God has grace. You are not without hope. If you feel convicted this morning, that's for your good. That God might show his grace to you. There's nothing better than God showing his grace. What a blessing it is. You are people of hope. God is our hope. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. You think God can't heal you from your addiction? He rose from the dead. Okay? He can heal you. You think he can't help you stand up under temptation? He promises to do so. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Does that say it's going to be super easy and you never have to think about it? No. It's just saying that if you'll trust him, if you'll sow to the spirit, he'll give you what you need to deal with the temptation. Yes, the temptation is going to come. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person that you're tempted to things. It's common. Men and women are tempted. We're in a fallen world, but he can help you with it. Do you think that the one who tells us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, do you think he won't do what he said? Because he will. He will do it. God will forgive you today. If you're a Christ follower, I'm your brother in Christ. If you're not a Christ follower, I want you to follow Christ so that I can be your brother in Christ. I'm not here to condemn you about drinking or earrings on dudes, or whatever. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. I'm not here to remember your sin or to point it out or make an example of you. I am the example. I'm the chief of sinners. I've had all kinds of these problems and wickednesses and sin, including drunkenness. God has forgiven me and is helping me to continue to grow in him. That's all I want for you. That's all I want for you. I want freedom and joy and peace and relationship with God for you. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in fear and addiction. Give your life to Jesus Christ who loves you and died for you. Fully. If you're a Christ follower, confess your sin. Repent. He'll be faithful and just to forgive you. And make you clean. Clean. For some of us, man... That's like water to a thirsty man in the desert. I can be clean. Yes. You can be clean. You don't have to sit here and suffer. He'll help you through it, whatever it is. He loves you. I love you. This church loves you. You don't have to live with the shame. You don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live with any of that. God is here for you this morning. There's a problem with legalism. There's also a problem with enablingism. Those both exist in the church. I'm not going to do either one of those. I'm be very honest with you because I know in my own heart what God has had to tell me about these issues. What's serious and what's just legalism. Some of you may be feeling bad. 
because you struggle with some of these things. I've struggled with some of these things. God loves you. He loves you. He wants to heal you. I'm going to ask that. Let's have the band come on up. As we sing this song today, it's a couple of things. If you don't know Jesus, and when I say that, what I mean is, if you haven't called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, if you, don't, you haven't believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and made him Lord, you want to be saved forever and have everlasting life, you can call upon the name of Jesus today. If you need to confess and repent, maybe cry a little bit, maybe ask for some help and some accountability, today's the day for that. I'm going to ask any of the elders in the church, Todd, Randy, Pastor Dave is here somewhere too, um, maybe John, those who can, go on back to the prayer room. If you need to come to the Lord this morning, if you need to pray with somebody this morning, just do it. Just do it. These are your brothers and sisters. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to love you. We're here to celebrate with you. Love you guys. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would be with your church. Lord, you know that it's hard. It's hard to live in the truth. Lord, as I, as I preach so many times, I feel that, man, you've saved me from these things and you're saving me from these things. And these, these sermons are to me as much as anyone else. I, Lord, I just, I trust you. You've given me this love for your people. I know the love that you have for them and for me. And I just pray that we can move forward, Lord. Growing in you, not perfect, but getting more perfect. Growing in holiness. That we might be able to do your work. And Lord, help, let us help one another. Let us honor one another. Jesus, I pray for those who are suffering, for those who are sick, for those who are going through things, for those who are dealing with the difficult things of the world and the fallenness of it. I also pray for those of us who have been called to fight as warriors for you. That you would empower us, that you would equip us, and that you would show us how to follow you, how to love people, how to love the poor, those in prison, those suffering, the orphan, the widow, the stranger. Lord, that we might see people come to know you and be baptized and be taught all that you have commanded and that we would be an example following your commands. I love you, Lord. I pray that you would let us feel your love this week. In your name, amen.